Hello. Welcome to the Other Worlds podcast, where we explore the worlds of fantasy, paranormal, and supernatural through our very favorite awesome books. And we get to talk and explore those worlds with the authors. I am Carrie Schaefer, one of your guides to the other world. I am the author of the Between Fantasy Trilogy and the Shadow Valley Manor Paranormal Mystery Series, along with some other women's fiction type books written by my alter ego, the kinder, gentler me, Carrie Ann King. And this is my co-host, Nola. Nola, introduce yourself, please. Hello, I am Nola Nash. I am the author of the Crescent City series, the Traveler series, and House of Mirrors, all of which are paranormal fantasy mystery with lots and lots of history. And our guest today, we are very excited about this, our guest today is Richard Swan, who is very kindly joining us at the time of this recording from Australia at, I believe, seven o'clock in the morning with uh, small children in the house. And he is heroic as his character, really. Yep. <laughs> he is the author of um, a trilogy, and he's going to have to remind me what the trilogy is actually called here in a minute because I've forgotten. The second book of which is The Tyranny of Faith. We'll let Richard get you all up speed on all of that, a little bit about him. Richard was born in North Yorkshire and spent most of his early life on Royal Air Force bases in Yorkshire and Lincolnshire. Why did I say Yorkshire and Lincolnshire? That's, anyways, never mind. It's an interesting <laughs> thing that the American language wants to do. After studying law at the University of Manchester, Richard was called to the bar in 2011. He subsequently retrained as a solicitor specializing in commercial litigation. Fancy stuff. Between 2015 and 2018, Richard self-published The Art of War Trilogy, a sequence of epic space opera novels, as well as a prequel and two spin-off mill sci-fi novellas. And recently now, oh, here we go. The Empire of the Wolf trilogy. Thank you. <laughs> Notes for saving me. Richard's debut fantasy Empire of, of the Wolf trilogy sold to Orbit Books for a six-figure sum. And we are jealous, but we have and decided that we will we'll like him anyway. <laughs> like whatever. Fine. <laughs> When he is not writing or working, Richard can be found in London with his wonderful wife, Sophie. This is no longer true. They are now in Australia, where they attempt to raise with mixed results their lies. two very loud sons. We just tell lies about where people are. <laughs> lies. Oh, now, lies. As always, before we bring Richard on, we are going to draw a tarot card for you the see. day. And today we are using one of my decks. Mm -hmm. uh, we have many wonderful decks. This is the Epic Tarot That's deck. cool looking. It is cool Reminds looking, me of our portal. And it's perfect. What's right? Cover, the back of them reminds me of our portal a little bit. Like oh, it reminds me of the portal. Yeah, a little bit. Wooshy? That'll work? Okay, so I'll ask Richard. He's good with words. <laughs> it's wooshy a word. Really <laughs> and the card that I have found is... This one right here, it's number two, which in Nola's magician. Art expert, is that the magician? No, that's one. Well, it normally would, no, not the magician. No, no. It would normally it's be one. the high priestess. High priestess. But priestess. what we have here is a dude. A dude. A dude. Mm -hmm. And it's the 
Keeper of Mysteries. Oh, I like So we're going to ask Richard later how this works with the book. I think it works beautifully. I think it's the perfect card, actually. Books and knowledge point to the doors of mystery. To experience magic, you must cross the threshold and give yourself over to the mystery, letting go of expectation. It's funny how our cards always fit the book. And y'all, you may think that we pick these cards ahead of time. We don't. We're just as surprised as you are when the card comes up. And it always seems to work. I love it. Perfect today. It's very good. Okay. All right. So we want to get Richard on here because people would much rather have him show the world than listen well, to us. His accent is better than ours anyway. His accent is better than ours. Okay. All right. Opening the portal and hopefully on the other side, if all goes well, we will find Richard and be in the world of um, the Wolf Trilogy. Oh God, what if it doesn't go well? Is <laughs> <laughs> that not bad? Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. It went well. Oh, good. <laughs> Hi there. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> our trip through our oh, portal there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we are going to ask you about the card later. So just hold that in your mind about, about how it all fits. It was an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary draw, wasn't it? I mean, it fits so well, I it's thought. Perfect. It's, it's absolutely funny, perfect. So it? tell us, before we get into all of that, where we are now, what world are we in? Not what's actually behind you in your physical reality. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are now in the world of the, the Sovan Empire. So um, the Sovan Empire is uh, in the novel, it's an empire that has recently expanded very, very quickly. So the Sovans are these sort of high minded um, Sort of civic-minded law power of you know the legal, ethical, moral infrastructure of of the state, and they've expanded very quickly using these uh, the legions of sort of elite troops, sort of a bit, a bit like the Roman legions, sort of heavy infantry. They've expanded and they've taken over this sort of sort of Teutonic um, Slavic type uh, sort of secondary world. So it's a, it's a collection of um about maybe sort of 10 or so nations um and at the very top you have this sort of cold um marshy sort of desolate arable land um next to the coast and so it's sort of sort of pagan pagan worshippers whose uh, whose sort of religion has has now become illegal um and you have sort of much further sort of south southwest you have a sort of spanish kind of iberian french sort of peninsula sort of hot and and mediterranean and then sort of sova itself which is um essentially I, the way i describe it is sort of if monster and rome if sort of rome existed in in germany in the kind of like sort of 15th century nice. um but in sova as well as well as having these sort of enormous kind of walls around it so it's sort of, sort of medieval walls enormous it, it, walls i'm interrupting enormous. for a minute because in the city they're they're so big that when uh, helena mm. enters for the first time that she's seen this right. she's completely kind of freaked Overall, out by yes. how how big the walls are which are obviously magically absolutely yeah well that's and that's it and 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 the buildings themselves you know, big temples and buildings of state and palaces and lots of them are kind of held up by mad they're sort of too tall for what is then modern engineering so um they're held up by magic you know they've got these runes inscribed in the in the bedrock in the foundations which sort of hold these things up so it's, it's sort of like a fantasy manhattan if you like yeah. it's sort of, you know, sky, skyscrapers and stuff um 
and it's it's uh, it's it's a sort of a moderately peaceful empire um but uh it's only been around for 50 years and sort of factions within the senate within sovra are now coming coming to the fore trying to kind of destabilize the nation and the biggest sort of um threat is this church versus state um as well so you've got the sort of the, the priests of the the neiman church uh, so so the church of nema uh, much like the sort of the roman empire again there's the church has absorbed all of the religions of the surrounding nations and has said yes well and done a bit of a rebrand in the same way the sort of ecumenid persian empire did as well you sort of take over a country and then you just sort of say under new management and you sort of leave everything basically in place um but you just do a bit of a rebrand and so all oh, this god is now called this god and you know but everything but you just kind of carry on and you pay your taxes to us now and so it's sort of like that um and uh, the neiman church which was used to be the sole custodians of magic in the world um have had their uh the sort of the magics taken away from them by sort of the secular forces of, of law and law enforcement right. um, so, so the magist- magistratum so let's let's talk about that for a little bit because really the only people who can legally use magic uh, if i got this all right really are yes. the, the justices which is interesting you That's being right. a mm. lawyer type person yourself you magical <laughs> lawyer you <laughs> <That's right. laughs> That's literally the kernel of the, the whole idea came from. I was like, what if magical lawyers? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's just literally the idea. See, I, I didn't have that idea. That's why I don't have a book deal. You have. I did not go. What if magic lawyers? No. Dang. Magic lawyers. Oh, I, um, I just realized we forgot oh, okay. to show the books. And this is really, this is, they're oh, there so is, yeah. beautiful. They're just gorgeous. So he has yeah, um, got the first one. Zoom that first one in there. Stick that one. Yeah, because that's the one we haven't seen. Uh huh. That's gorgeous uh-huh. too. There he is. That's Conrad there. There's yeah. Conrad and, um, and this must be Helena in, in Helena. That's Helena. Yeah, that's right. And then I've actually, just as, as of this morning, seen a mock up of the third <gasps> book as well, which. Okay. Um, the artist is called Martina Fachkova, and she um, actually, I think she won an award for the illustration of the second book. Just done it. Um, it is really beautiful. It really is beautiful. So let's talk about the characters a little bit. And in the talking about them, mm. talk about the magic that they wield. So I, I don't know if mm. you would want to start with um, Helena's kind of telling the story in Tyranny of Faith. Yeah, that's but right. Von Volt is certainly a major player. So, you know, you can. Yeah, it's it's. The way, it, the way it's sort of von volt is kind of the main character but he's not the point of view character right. excuse me so he's sort of like um helena is his apprentice so the story is starts with helena she's an old woman now she's in her 70s or 80s or whatever and she's telling the story of her time with this storied justice so, so conrad von volt he was the kind of the greatest justice of the age um and he got completely wrapped up in this sort of the empire sort of calamitous empire spanning events and at the time she was his apprentice and she had been in his employ for about two or three years and so she's looking back on that time and telling us it's a frame narrative um and so she's telling the story of von volt you know essentially so he's the main character but he's not telling his own story um so helena was sort of an orphan she was sort of plucked from obscurity from a place called moldau which is the capital of tolsberg um she tried to rob von Waltz, and instead of like arresting and prosecuting her he essentially indentures her or he makes her an apprentice um he sort of sees some potential in her and that and, and why that happens you know is a is something that is, that is explored in book three 
Um, and so she becomes his apprentice. She's sort of she's sort of street smart, but interestingly, so what I tried to do with the character of Helena was, you know, if if you have a difficult upbringing, if you have, um, so she was a ward of the state. She was orphaned by the wars that created the empire, what was called the Reichskrieg. Um, so her parents are both dead. So she was a ward of the state, and so she has this sort of street smart, sort of whip smartness about her. Um, but also because her upbringing was so troubled, she's also very kind of um, emotionally stunted. So if you look at people who in the real world who have suffered you know, abusive childhoods and abusive upbringings, um, what tends to happen is their emotional development sort of gets left in the kind of like teenage mm-hmm. years. And so she's quite impulsive and mercurial. Uh, she's, sort of got, she's got a bit of a temper. And she relies entirely on Von Volt for all of the stability in her life. So when Von Volt is in a bad mood, she's in a bad mood and when von Volt is unsure of something which isn't very often uh you know it, it affects her very profoundly and so you know i tried to capture so- this sort of dichotomy of someone who is both you know, intelligent and, and cunning and brave but also um someone who is very unsure of themselves and also she's you know essentially i mean she's i think she's 20 or 21 in, in second book so she's still mm. a young woman um and i'm sure of her place in the world and whether she even wants to be an apprentice uh, you know and so she has this very complex relationship with Sir Conrad. And then Sir Conrad is this kind of extremely sure of himself, you know, never a man burdened by self-doubt. Um, you know, he has the law on his side. He's an agent of the crown. Um, he's, he's got a brilliant mind. Um, but he's also, you know, he's a, slightly, he's a compassionate man. He's a cold man. Um, but he's a, deep down, he's a sort of ethical and compassionate man. Um, and, you know, he's not going to chop your head off of there's an alternative option, for example. Um, and so, and the story is essentially the, the story is essentially the relationship of the two of them and how it evolves. And they go from this sort of like master apprentice to father daughter to more of a kind of a much more complex, you know, it's an, there's an unhealthy power dynamic between them. Right. And so I wanted to explore that right. as well. Which in, of course, you know, when um, Von Volt then is attacked by a malady, which is you know mm. somewhat magical in nature and begins to act in ways that, you know, um, are not necessarily as upstanding as Helena has come to expect. Um, that really yes. throws her for a loop. So absolutely i wanted to kind of um and, and the big question really with von volt is you know to, to what ex- so helena has always sort of seen him as his paragon and in many ways he kind of comes across that way but then you know as time goes on the question really becomes has he always been right. a, a paragon or am i really just is it the longer i spend with him the more i'm getting to know him and actually he's never been this person that i that i thought he was right. or is it circumstances are forcing him to become a, a, a badder person right. or is it some combination of, of the two um and so you know it's it's been a really sort of rich seam of, of right. character interaction right. to kind of explore and and really explores you know the nature of power and you know mm-hmm. um what what happened von volt has ultimate power really he has access to magic Absolutely. he has you know the backing of the emperor he can do whatever yeah. he wants so well, that's it and it's it is a question of um you know, to what extent can you sort of invest someone with the sort of absolute ultimate authority? Because it's, and and the, and the, where that kind of philosophical dilemma comes from is, you know, in my, in my practice as, as, as a lawyer, a litigator specifically, and my experience in and around sort of criminal and civil courts, you, a lot of the time, a judge will have to, for example, 
forget you know certain pieces of evidence so you know they'll know stuff but they aren't allowed to know it mm -hmm. so in this sort of strange contrivance that we have in in modern kind of advocacy adversarial legal systems where it's like someone might successfully get a piece of uh, an exhibit or a piece of evidence thrown out and so the judge is like well now i'm going to have to disregard this um and pretend that i've almost pretend that i've never seen it and so it's this strange kind of you, but right. you have seen it. How so, do you actually you know. pull that out of your decision? Yeah, <laughs> you, you do know it. exactly, and and it's just this idea of even if we train somebody to the nth degree, like can we really kind of squash every last kind of prejudice and, and quirk out of their you know decision making process? And so it's this idea, yeah, it's this idea of justice of ultimate power, and they have the magic to kind of enforce that power. But you know, to what extent is that a, a particularly effective law keeping mm -hmm. model? Right. Oh, which is all very interesting and and leads us back kind of to the card that we drew. So, um, <laughs> um, so this is a, this is a sort of shaman of some kind, is he? Well, you know, do you want to know you're the, you're the, what, what is this? This is number two. It's usually the, usually the high priestess normally. Yeah. A high priestess, what is that? Normally? The high priestess would be the keeper of like faith and um, kind of an authority on faith, but also, to, you know, kind of the, okay. the government, the governing of the faith. So where you've got, you know, other characters in, in the cards that may be more of the spiritual ones, this is, this is the from on high kind of delivering. This is how we do things. Right. This is, the, there's a level of compassion there, but there's also a level of this is how we do it. You know, the, this is the structure of the faith that, you know. Okay. So, and in, in yeah. this particular deck, we have the spin of, according to my handy dandy little very yes, battered. Please find the book because <laughs> each deck, and it's it's interesting <laughs> that the interpretations of the different things that we that we You're see with each deck. Yeah. There's a different interpretation. So the high priestess, I know, but and this one, one is a keeper of mysteries. Books and knowledge point to the doors of mystery. To experience magic, you must cross the threshold and give yourself over to mystery. So I'm thinking about this uh, book and I'm like, whoa, perfect. how much can we talk about that without giving it away? Because perfect. it's like absolutely Oh, that's that's a good it's, one. It's a it's a great one. I, I think you know, in, in this in this world, you know, as I said, it was the, there is magic. It's a kind of like there's more much there's much more magic in book two than there is in book one. Book one is essentially a murder mystery. The little bit of magic, and there's a necromancy scene, which is sort of quite haunting. And what I wanted to do with, so it's essentially it's death magic. So in this world, um, all magic derives from the afterlife. The afterlife is a is a real place. Um, it's a kind of it's a it's a different plane of existence, different dimension. And um, when mortals die in the world of the Empire of the Wolf, their soul or their spiritual essence or whatever you want to call it travels to this other place. Um, and this the other place is a kind of a world of almost almost different countries you know there's there are there's the what they call the adaxime which is the purgatorial plane so you the, or the plane of burden so you sort of land in this sort of it's a kind of like a marsh and you sort of land there and then your soul can go into different different places and there's there's a hell you know there's a, the halls of hell and there's some a place called the broken path which is a, a place that leads to the, the halls of hell this massive pathway huge kind of stone structure sort of kilometers you know wide and long which is a, which was the, the site of a battle you know in this sort of in a religious canon so but all worlds um, all magic derives from this plane and it kind of leaked into the world what they call the magic what they in the story refer to as the cataclysm so centuries before magic entered the world and what it did was it kind of it was it was like 
fusative. It kind of it took it bound humans and creatures together. So you have like that's where the wolfmen come from on the southern plains, and there are mermen in the book as well. They're not in this trilogy, but they're referred to, and they tap into the the magics of the afterlife. And so, what I was you know coming up with the magic, I was thinking, what would an what would an investigator want? They would want like you know the ability to talk to the dead, for example, or they would want the ability to sort of compel a person to tell the truth you know extract a confession from someone and all the justices have different powers depending on their kind of their aptitudes and the magic that's in that exists in the world because it's so dangerous and and it's very very dangerous um because you know little you know beasties and, and demons and things kind of kind of make mischief they can hijack the prey so if you create a link to a dead person and this happens in the first book you know they 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 travel to the afterlife to question someone who has died um parasitic kind of demonic entities leap onto that they latch onto that connection mm-hmm. and they can you know they can possess people and, and stuff so it's, it's a very it's a very frightening haunting process and that's why they don't really like to do it that much but it's so in, in an in an investigative sense it's so probative because you can be like who murdered you and they'll be like it was that guy over there so you know <laughs> if you can get it to work if you can get it to work it's perfect but of course you often but the run, the risk you run is that something eldritch and you know some malady happens with you know with, with the arcane and so they keep it all under lock and key in books and only the magic codex in, literally in books which, that's exactly right which was really interesting to me about this card mm. because it, some exactly. of the codexes have gone missing and fallen into hands who should not have them and so you know that's part of the the book that's journey right. is how mm. do we get them back so exactly that so the, yeah yeah so, so I, I like the idea of having these sort of books un, under lock and key yeah. that and only a certain class of people can right. could read and use them. Right. Now, the challenge that we would set possibly for Von Volt, and you've already kind of talked about that. So supposing that, you know, we did want to know something um, that maybe um, we can't figure out in the here and now, um, what what would he maybe do in order to be able to get some information? Does, you know. You'd have to get to the library. <laughs> Well, maybe so beyond the library. I'm thinking the book's not in the library. (laughs) If you get to the library, the book's not there. He wants wants to he wants to he wants to know what happened. He's looking for, you know, some some way to get into the afterworld. What's what's he going to do to get there? Mm. So he needs to um so there's it's a it's a seance kind of process. So he has to um yeah, there's a there's a book called the Grimoire Necromancia, which is a kind of um essentially an instructions manual on how to perform all of the invocations and incantations, etc. to kind of get there. So he um he would have this, he has a medallion as well. The medallion is kind of like a it's kind of like a psychic beacon. So um it, it, if he need, it's sort of like an emergency boy. Um, so if he needs to kind of make a quick exit, he can kind of activate this medallion and then he just gets you know, sucked straight back out. So the way that they do it is there's something called the Descendant Incantation, the Nizanar Navi, which is an incantation that you, and you need a dead body. So you need someone who is dead. You need to make physical contact with that Ew. body. Um, and they are like basically like an anchor dropped into the sea and the sea is the afterlife and you sort of hold on to them as you and you get pulled down with them um and you have to kind of ward yourself so that you don't get eaten or killed or whatever by all of the demons and horrible things in the afterlife and then you have a limited amount of time there and what i wanted to do as well to make the process kind of um a very high barrier to entry so it's not it's not just so easy you could be like yeah who murdered you you can't just do that 
um, I wanted to make it so that you can uh, well you can lose you can lose your mind quite you know quite easily but the body itself has to be like a fresh corpse so you could go to like a morgue and I have a month old skeleton you know whatever and be like you know who killed you it has to be if the body is is if they hate you as well so like if the if you killed the person and then you tried to use their body as an anchor that hate and fear and terror that they kind of take with them as they die it's like chum in the water for Ooh. sort of demons so you know so if they hate you or they're or, or if they're insane as well these kind of these send out these kind of psychic beacons and it, it just attracts things so you know, you, you, the conditions have to be just just right, really. Otherwise, it's extremely dangerous. Um, in fact, I wrote a short story uh, for Grimdark magazine about um, a seance that goes badly wrong, um, set for about 10 years before the events of the first book. And, uh, and a sort of a greater demon kind of interrupts, and it's it's very, very messy. Um, and so, yeah, and so then you, you ask your questions, you've got about five minutes, and then you've got to get the hell out of there. <laughs> so then they kind of re-encant and they sort of return back to the surface hopefully with the information that they need and but no attached demons in the process and, and hopefully no but of course in, exactly in these worlds of course things <laughs> go wrong because that's what we're doing so the book that we're talking about today everybody again is the tyranny of faith by richard swan and it is part of tell me the name of the trilogy again the wolf something i don't know why i keep forgetting the empire of the wolf the empire of the wolf there you go and there are wolf men and when is book three going to be out in the world do we know it's a it's it's next February, so they released them a year apart. Uh-huh. Um, so the first one came out, I think, you know, February twenty twenty two. Okay, uh, I, and I tend to hang on to the wrong things. Ago. This happens consistently with me. You mentioned merman, <laughs> and I know they're not in the series. I'm going. Yes. Will there be a merman <laughs> book? Like, can we explore that world now? Because oh, now I want to know about to <laughs> write a. Yeah, I'm desperate to write a merman book, and I um, pitched. I think because I had, I came up with a great kind of merman world with a really cool hierarchy, and um, I pitched it to, to Orbits for my next trilogy, and they were like, "This is this is too this is too much merman." <laughs> <laughs> it's not too much merman <laughs> orbit. I'm sorry, there's no such no just... thing in my mind. <laughs> I also I know read it. Um, <laughs> well, I so hopefully uh, my next trilogy, which I'm writing, and uh, a conversation is going to happen in the next month or two with Orbit about you know if they buy that. Um, that does have. Oh, men in it just not in a huge they so it would be essentially like a it's set same at same empire but 200 years later uh... so it was sort of flintlocks sort of colonial era kind of flintlocks Ooh. and um it's a kind of a diplomatic mission to the to the mermen because they they magical well as long so as they I think show it's really, really cool. somehow because now i want to know <laughs> oh they do i need to oh, they're the in there. but don't worry <laughs> we're, we're good with that they're in there so richard where can people find you online best place to find me is, is twitter um my handle is uh, richard underscore s underscore swan um but i'm also on instagram as a richard swan author um i think that's probably the best place and i have a i have a website okay. uh, it's called stonetemplelibrary.com stonetemplelibrary.com yeah it's it, it i think it's in both of those profiles my twitter and instagram has it somewhere listed so and that has things like updates and I have a little shop that I sell you know, trinkets, book plates and stuff on there. So um, that's the best place to find me. There it is. Hey, okay. That's clever. And if they go there, they can probably um, find your uh, other handles as well. So 
exactly um, that. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. It was a great exploring the world with you. And um, maybe we will try and get you back when you have the third book out in the world for us. Well, at least I'd when the mermen come back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just keep tantalizing you, tantalizing you with hints yep. of them, and then never I said anything about it. <laughs> no, I want the mermaid book. <laughs> the mermaid book for sure. I, I want to. We're going to team up the on book. Orbit, and we're going to be like, we're going to start a guerrilla marketing campaign. We'll take it. That's right. Make signs. All right. <laughs> This has been The Other Worlds with our guest Richard Swan, and the book we've been talking about is The Tyranny of Faith. Please join us again next time where we explore another world, and we will see you again later. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye.